Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 1, reading from verse 21 all the way to 29. I'm reading from King James Version. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under the heaven, whereof I am, I, Paul, am made a minister. Verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, what we don't know, teach us. Where we are not, take us. Who we are not, make us. Lord, I submit myself under your influence, that as I preach your word and I teach your word, Spirit of God, I receive grace to be one spirit with Christ, that my speaking will be Christ's speaking, that Christ will shine forth, Christ will be expressed, Christ will be revealed in this teaching. For the edifying of your people, for the building up of the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, in our last week's teaching, I said something which I wanted to draw your attention, which is meant to point you to something. Um, I said that there are arteries in the body, yeah. and when by accident something touches an artery, it's a major situation. The blood that gushes out is not the same when a little vein somewhere around your arm is touched. When there's so much pressure and the blood that gushes out, because it's like mainstream. So when you are sorting out a problem created by a fractured or punctured and injured artery, it's not the same as some vein somewhere. All right, so it's the same thing when you are drilling for water. You hit the water table, water starts, because where you go to, there's so much water, it gushes out. You know, when the house is flooding, a major pipe is best the flood of water, it takes so much to contain it. Now, I'm teaching on Colossians, and we are in chapter one, and I hit an artery. I hit a major component of what makes us Christian. So sometimes it's not easy to just read over it and go. 
you can't just, because it's a major aspect of the meaning of Christianity, which a lot have obscured to their head. There are things about our Christian life which, if marginalized, it injures and it doesn't help the people of God. Many people think God is about solving problems. There are a lot of people whose approach to God is about problem solving. You'll be heavily disadvantaged if that's your main approach to God. Particularly if you have problems in your life and you are coming to church for your problems just because you want your problems to be solved. That's why after the problems are solved, you're actually not interested in Christ. So it's not the Christ people are looking for, but solution. But because Christ is a solution giver, we replace him for the solution. So if you come to church because you want God to do something for you, it is not bad in itself, but it will disadvantage you unless your approach and your understanding is upgraded or updated. And the job of good preaching or good preaching is focused on the true gospel. And what true gospel does is some of the things that we stumbled across, what Paul touched on in Colossians chapter 1. Because you know Colossians is written to really highlight the sufficiency of Christ and the supremacy of Christ. So if you have Christ, that's all you need, really need. You are fine. In fact, it says that we are complete, chapter 2 verse, we are complete in him. Wow, complete in Christ, complete in Christ. So when you look at the text we read earlier on, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh. If you continue in the faith, verse 23, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope which is in the gospel which you have heard. Verse 23 says that I, Paul, am made a minister of the gospel. And verse 24 talks about I rejoice in my suffering and fill up in my body the <laughs> This is so important, the afflictions that which are behind, or that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ. Um, I'm about to say something very strong. Do not make a mistake and separate what was written in the scriptures, in the epistles of Paul. Separate it from the words of Jesus. They say, as for Paul, because Paul is very particular about this. Paul is like this. That's why he wrote, please stop that. Stop that. All scripture is given by the inspiration yes. of God. Yes. Whatever Paul wrote is not different from what Jesus said in the, in the gospel. Yes. Don't separate the two. Whatever Jesus said in the gospel, though it's red letter. Jesus never wrote anything apart from writing on the floor when they brought the woman for him to accuse him. That same, they quoted the law. The same finger that wrote the law was writing on the ground and was wiped away. The only thing Jesus wrote, recorded in scripture was when he wrote on the ground and we don't even know what he wrote. And afterwards, the wind blew it away. But the rest of the, please, the gospel, the go, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is not enough to present us the true gospel. Yes. Wow. Wow. The full gospel is not in the gospels. 
<laughs> you can't just read the, the Gospels and think you have the full Gospel. Paul said, I have been given this commission, Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, to fulfill the word of, to finish it up. So why do you marginalize what Paul is saying? And put, and slap his personal, his personality on it and separate it and or downgrade it. Total scriptura. All of scripture. Total scriptura. Analogia scriptura. Scripture speaks with one voice. Let me add this because I'm going to say it anyway, so let me say it ahead of time. When you hear someone saying that, you know, there are things in the Old Testament that they don't agree with. Or the Old Testament says something. So why are we not doing it? And why is the New Testament saying something different from the Old Testament? In fact, some people go as far as saying that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. Because some, some, some wild people, some wild people with human ideologies, thinking they are smart and intelligent, but they didn't know that the mystery of the gospel is hid. So your intelligence can't discover it. He said, there are, there are people who say that the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. That is madness. Yes, 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 yes. When you hear someone separating what the Old Testament said from what the New Testament said, they don't get it. Paul said, I was called to complete. So there are a lot of things in the Old Testament that can only be understood in the light of the New Testament. But they all speak in one voice. Nothing said in the Old Testament conflicts what is said in the New Testament. Nothing said in the New Testament conflicts what is said in the Old Testament. Analogia Scriptura, the Scripture speaks with one voice. One of the things I need you to appreciate and understand about the Scriptures as well is it's interesting that whatever God has to say, he doesn't say it all in one verse or one place. <laughs> so when God wants to tackle the subject of marriage, you see Matthew chapter 19, just that everything about marriage. No, he said it here, he said it somewhere. So everything that God has got to do, say about one subject, is not in one place. It's not in one place. It's, it's spread different places in a lot of places. Paul said, I am called and I'm giving the commission to complete the word of God. Say, complete the word of God. Say, complete the word of God. So I'm giving the assignment to complete. But before he said that, he said, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Now watch this. He says that the things that Christ started suffering, he didn't finish, and I am continuing it. If he's continuing what Christ started, why do you think that he can't continue to say what Christ was saying? Or why do you separate what he's saying from what Christ is saying? You understand it as you go further. So he said that, whereof I made a minister. This is a very serious thing. He said, I feel up, I feel up, I'm going back again, you know. I feel up 
that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake. And what's his body? What's his body? What's the body of Christ? And he said, whereof I'm made a minister. I'm made a minister of this thing, of the church, and to fill up. Whereof I'm made a minister. Watch this. I'm made a minister according to, so according to the oikonomia of God, according to the dispensation of God, according to the administration of God, according to the stewardship of God, according to the plan of God. So my minister, my being a minister is based on God's plan not my vision, not my career, but God's plan. Do you know Stephen died based on God's plan? Stephen died based on God's plan. They wanted to kill Paul. They stoned him, they thought he was dead. He got up, he didn't die. Peter was about to be executed in Acts chapter 12, but he didn't die. The angel brought Why didn't the angel stop Stephen from dying? It was all part of the plan. It's a whole. So some will suffer. Some will live long. Some will live like John the Baptist. I just didn't understand how a young lady dancing. My wife said, my wife said, I haven't seen some dance before. A young lady's dance, watch this. A young lady's dance can cost the life of a prophet by accident. Because the king, if the king knew she was going to go for the prophet, he wouldn't have made that promise. He didn't mean it in that way. In fact, had he not, if it was in private, if he had made that promise in private, he wouldn't have fulfilled it. So it's like the king regretted for saying what he didn't think about. He was so impressed and so moved by this girl's dance. I know some of you don't understand Zalwa because you've been watching dance online. But <laughs> online dance. He was so moved. The problem is that how can a whole prophet, Jesus said greater, the greatest of all, John the Baptist, how can he die under set, such circumstances? The early part of Jesus' ministry, this guy died. I mean, by such a great prophet. Is he an accident? Is he? I mean, is he on purpose? Why? It's part of the plan. The songwriter said, in life, in death, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. In life, in death, Paul says, uh, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is a breakthrough. To die is a breakthrough. So what I'm trying to say is that God's plan covers a whole lot of different things. God's plan. And Paul said, I've been made a minister according to the Oikonomia of God, the dispensation of God. I am a steward, and the stewardship has been entrusted to me. This stewardship is God's plan, has been entrusted to me. And so I have to live to fulfill that plan. No wonder I said, I finished my course. 
I've kept the faith and I've fought a good fight. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, that the modern day church will have this as their motivation. This as our motivation. There's laid for me a crown of a crown of righteousness with the Lord, a righteous judge. He's a righteous judge. So Paul says that I made a minister according to the dispensation of the of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now watch this very carefully. I made a minister based on God's dispensation, based on God's administration, based on God's plan to fulfill the word of God. That word fulfill actually means to bring to completion. So without Paul, uh-huh, I'm going somewhere now, without the ministry of Paul, a lot of the revelation of God will be left uncompleted in the hearts and minds of the people of God. If you haven't read Paul, permit me to say Paul as though it is him. It's what God did through Paul. But if you haven't read the epistles of Paul, your revelation about God and about Christ is not complete. It's not complete. Many people know just the Christ of the Gospels. The Christ of the Gospels died. He was crucified. The Christ of the Gospel resurrected. And the farthest the Gospel takes us to, he resurrected and he beat by and went. So the farthest the Christ of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, will take you is Christ is gone. Christ is gone. So now we are left alone. We are by ourselves. Apart from the fact that he said, I'm with you to the end of the earth. Under what circumstance? With who? Who is there you? I'm with you. Under what situation? You, you won't get it if all you know is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is primarily about the human living of Jesus. But it doesn't capture the life-giving spirit that Jesus became. The exalted Jesus is not really covered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The ascended Jesus, the high priest, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't speak about the high priestly role of Jesus. But now he's a high priest. He's a high priest who liveth forever. And such a priest is fitting. <laughs> Let us therefore come boldly. Seeing that we have such a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Verse 14. I'm talking about Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 14. And I'm going back on my stuff now. Seeing that we have an high priest who has passed through the heavens. Do you know what that means? I know we, we gloss of that. He has passed through the heavens. In chapter, I think chapter 6 or chapter, chapter 7 or chapter 9, it talks about our high priest has gone past the heavens. Yeah. But here he said he has passed through the heavens. Since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, <laughs> has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, so you don't get it wrong. We are talking about Jesus, the Son of God, not the Jesus in the Quran. I, I'm, listen, I'm telling you point blank. The Jesus in the Quran is different from this Jesus. 
please let me let you know. I know you are genuine in your submission. I know Anabi Isa is mentioned in the Quran, but it is different from this Jesus who has passed through the heavens. The Son of God is different from this. That is why you can't present him as the Son of God because actually the one you are talking about is not the Son of God. Excuse me. Bring out your Jesus. Let's compare notes. Is he a high priest? You ask me what's a high priest. So you see, you don't even know what you're talking about. Before you start opening your mouth, making Acts Psalm 131 verse 1. Matters that are higher than you. He said, I did not exercise myself in great matters, things that are too high for me. <laughs> things that are above your common sense. You are making big statements about it, but this is above you, boy. The gospel is above the normal comprehension of the normal church person, let alone the normal street person. The gospel, that's why we have to specialize pastors. The job of pastors is to specialize in preaching the gospel. The full gospel, because the gospel is hidden. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. He said, if our gospel is hid, ah, so the gospel is actually hid from some people. Then they begin to say, you know, all this church, I know what the church is about. I've read the Quran, I've read the Bible, I've read the uh, Hindu books, the gospel is hid. No wonder you are talking the way you are talking with confidence, but you don't know you are actually advertising your ignorance. The gospel is hate. So, Paul in Colossians is talking about how I've been made a minister to complete the word of God. Even, and then he's beginning to expound on the word of God. He said, even the mystery. Oh, so this word of God is talking about is said, even the mystery which has been what? Eight. No wonder. The Old Testament saints, they didn't have the complete gospel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because hid. Yeah. The gospel is hid. They had it in glimpse. So prophets were prophesying about the gospel. And then when they finished, they said, what am I talking about? It, it's not realistic. It's not. In, according to First Peter chapter 1 from verse 9, they prophesied about it, but they didn't even know. They didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Yeah. So afterwards, they had to do a research. They go to the book. What am I talking about? The Spirit has to reveal to them, please, you are not talking about yourself. So just so you don't get yourself confused and worried. You are, you are ministering to the church. They are ministering to us. They are ministering to them in the Old Testament. The church is amazing. The Bible says that all these died in faith, having not obtained the promise. Talking about Abraham, talking about Moses, talking about Joseph, talking about Isaac, talking about all these Hebrews. They all died in faith. And then the verse 40, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 40, it says that God having provided something better for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. You see that word perfect? Say perfect. perfect. Say perfect. perfect. People who are dead, all these great guys, they are not perfect without us. The perfect there means complete. All their work they've done is incomplete outside of the church. Wow. Wow. 
They were working. That's why Paul said, now I've been brought to complete the word of God. To this thing that I'm now giving the mystery to unveil, to unveil so that when the people of God are handling their gospel, they have a complete gospel they can now delve into and grow in. So he said that to complete the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations. Watch, there's a difference between ages or generations. There's a difference between that and people. So it's not like it was hidden from certain individuals. It was hidden for ages. So Abraham saw his days, Jesus' days, and was glad, and yet he didn't understand it. Oh, let me add this. Most of us will think that Abraham and Moses, their excitement were only about Jesus coming to die, living. No, not that. The, the greater part of their excitement is about us. Wow. Not the Jesus of the Gospels. Because we are the logical outcome wow. of the Jesus. The Jesus of the Gospel doesn't mean much unless it has an expression producing the church. You know what that? He said, the Christ loved the church mm. and gave himself to them to present him without wrinkle and holy. So the, the church is the crown, the crowning of the work of Christ. How can you say you know the gospel when you don't have a proper understanding about the church? You only have the story about baby Jesus. Mm. He was in a manger, he did miracles, he lived. They crucified him, bad people crucified him. How could they do that? And you are crying about Easter. <laughs> they crucified him and he resurrected. Bible, yesterday I was listening to the Bible, it says that an angel came from heaven and removed the stone and sat on it. Not only removed it, they took the stone, they rolled away the stone. And Bible said the soldiers were so scared. They were soldiers, trained so they were so scared they fell like dead men. <laughs> they fell when they saw the soldiers. Bible said that, and the fear of that angel, one angel, the keep, for the fear of that angel, the keepers shook and became as dead men. They were sent to go and guard the tomb. Do you know what they said? I'm sorry to go back, but is that okay? Yes, okay? They said, send some people. They went to Pilate and they said, send some people because that deceiver, yes. when he was alive, yes. said to his disciples that he will come back from the dead. Yes. I know you have not heard what I'm about to say. He said, he will come back from the dead. So send soldiers to go and make the tomb secured, lest they'll go and steal him and say he's resurrected. And watch this. And this one will be Wednesday. That's what I'm <laughs> What got my attention is not the stealing, but they said, if they say this guy's resurrected, yes. the problem, later problem will be worse than why we killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to do everything possible to block the resurrection. Because if we don't block the resurrection, what is going to happen after the resurrection? You are going to have a church that cannot be stopped. Yeah. The gates of hell cannot prevent the church, cannot prevail against the church. You are going to have an onslaught and the move of God and this an explosion of the hand of God in this generation and beyond that nothing can control it. They saw it ahead. They said, send soldiers to stop him from coming back from the grave. Therefore, command 
that their tomb be made secure until the third day. Yeah. Be made secure until the third day, lest his disciple come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse. Think about it. Think about it. The last deception will be worse. What's the last deception? That they will say Jesus has resurrected. Yeah. Those who kill him said that's a deception because he didn't resurrect. Yeah. They are afraid that if Jesus really gets to resurrect. <laughs> now, there are two things. First of all, even if he doesn't resurrect and people are made to have the impression that he resurrected, it is going to be a bigger impact yeah. than the one. Now, how much more if he actually resurrected? So Bible says in Acts chapter 10, Verse 40, 41, 42, 43, just before the Holy Ghost interrupted the preaching of Peter. It says that him God raised on the third day and showed him. That's the problem. That they were trying to stop this thing. They were trying to stop this thing. God said, you can't stop me. I'm going to raise him and show him openly. Him, God, is that not what they said? Let's stop it. Put it on the screen. It says that, let's stop it. Send, send, therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day. But let's, the disciples tell him and say, he, he, because he said he will resurrect. They said, at least, let's do it till the third day, not permanently, only for three days. Because he's meant to come back on the third day. So you, after the fourth day, now let the soldiers can go. There's something they were afraid of. Is there ought not the Christ to have suffered this thing and be killed? And on the third day, rise again from the dead. Amen. It wasn't the religious leaders talking, it was Satan who was talking behind them. Yes. Yes. The Satan, Satan who was talking behind them. He said, The Christ will be crucified. And on the, when Peter said, You are the Son of God, Matthew chapter 16. And he began to tell them how he must go to Jerusalem and be crucified. And on the third day, on the third day, Jesus began to show how his disciples, how he must go to Jerusalem and so many things and the other, other and be killed and be raised. On the third day, on the third day. On the third day. Peter didn't hear the third day. Come he didn't on. hear the third day. Come on. He didn't hear, all he heard was crucified, killed. All he heard was crucified. So he tried to stop him from going to be crucified. He took him aside and started to rebuke him. See Satan, Satan is coming again. Satan is coming to Jesus' closest ally. He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again to abort and block the oiko oiko. Did you see what I'm preaching? Yeah. He was trying to. Satan has always determined, desired to block the agenda, the plan, and the oh, look what this. The plan of God is an eternal plan. That's right. Before the foundation of the earth, he has started it. He planned it and set it in motion until the climax of time. Nothing can interfere with this. Now, Jesus is the pivot, the center of the execution of the plan. So, the coming of Christ is what changes the game. Yeah. Is the coming of Christ. It's now, it brings it into reality, what God has planned for generations past. So, Satan feared that. So, he's through, if he could speak through Peter, why can't he speak through uh, Pharisees? They said, command that the tomb be made secured. Let's, on the third day, for three days, just secure for three days. Because on the third day, they will go and steal him. Yeah. And then they will say, they will say, you see, they tell the people and deceive the people and let the people know that he's risen. 
But God too said, Bible says that whom God raised from the dead, Acts chapter 10, who God raised from the dead, God verse 40, again, Acts 10, 40, uh, God raised him up on the third day. Say the third day. Everybody was fighting towards the third day. And when God was about to raise him, an angel came from heaven, just one. His presence, there was an earthquake first. When the angel was coming, there was an earthquake. His presence was so scary. The guards who were supposed to ensure that Jesus doesn't come out. Why, why, someone, why you bothered someone who has made sure that you won't get your promotion? Don't worry. And one angel from heaven will, will shake everything. <laughs> so an angel from heaven came and there was an earthquake, whatever. There, as the story goes on. And Jesus came out. So in Acts chapter 10, he says that him God raised on the third day and showed him openly. That's the problem. Even if he had done it, he has raised him secretly. He showed him openly, but we also have a little problem. He didn't show him openly to everybody. Oh no, God, why? You make our work easier. Not to all the people. Oh no, who did you? Only to witnesses chosen before by God. You see, that God has already got a plan. He's got a plan. Chosen before. So can you imagine if you are one of those chosen and been given the commission to go, how dare you change that message? How dare you change that message? Because it's a dispensation of God that has been given to you. It's stewardship that has been committed to your trust. Don't change the message. Don't change it because he hasn't, he hasn't given it to everybody. He's given it to says that showed him openly, not to all the people. He said, that's very interesting phraseology. Showed him openly. So you are happy at the ending of verse 40. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 27, verse 64 has been defeated, uh, has been fulfilled. They said, God has raised him himself. Showed him. So you are happy. Then the next verse said, not to all the people. Oh, but to witnesses chosen before God. Even us. And it says that the witnesses were supposed to go and tell people what has happened. What are they supposed to say? He died, he resurrected, and he's alive for the remission of sins. So before he died, he told them. That's very interesting. And after he died, just before he left to heaven in Luke chapter 24, verse 45 says he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. It's, it's possible you might be preaching, but your understanding is not opened. I know you've been to theological seminary. So you think that entitles you to opening of your understanding. No, that is a, that's just formal training. I'm going to show you what opens your understanding. He opened the understanding that they might get the scripture and not butcher the scriptures. There are people who preach the scriptures, but they are preaching something different from what the scripture actually is supposed to be revealing. And not, and not, not like they are preaching false doctrine. If we don't, don't confuse this with wrong doctrine. As for wrong doctrine, it's, it's out of the window. But you can be preaching the right doctrine, but you are still preaching it with an unopened understanding. Wow. You open the understanding and understand the scriptures, and the Bible says that from 
throughout the scriptures, verse 46. It showed them how, then, it's it not written, it pointed to Old Testament. Those who say the Old Testament is different from the New Testament. He took them to the Old Testament to show them how it is written in the Old Testament about him, concerning him, how the Christ ought to have suffered all these things. Watch this. He has died, suffered all these things. And on the third day, that's written that it was necessary that the Christ suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He also put the third day, they're very important, on the third day. Look at the next verse. And that repentance and remission should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So now that he has resurrected, the preaching begins. <laughs> the assignment begins. Say, the preaching begins. After the resurrection. Before the resurrection, it was prophesying. After the resurrection, it was preaching and teaching. <laughs> Can I say that again? Before the resurrection, all they did, all the agents of God, they prophesied. They prophesied. What were they prophesying? Not your breakthrough. Those of us who have reduced prophecy to some caricature. <laughs> something that is very foreign to New Testament Christianity or biblical Christianity. Prophesying is not about your personal convenience. Prophesying, the spirit of prophecy, it says that the testimony of prophecy is the spirit of Christ, the heart of prophecy. So prophesying, they all prophesied about the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah. One day God Himself is going to step on the earth. One day God is going to step on the earth. And they prophesied that He'll be he will, some said He will come, others said He will suffer, others said He will, he will do miracles. Everything Jesus did was spoken about. But just that it wasn't all spoken in one place. So sometimes if you don't realize, if you don't look at it very carefully, you think the Messiah is just coming to fight the Romans. That's why Peter took the sword. You can't kill him. We are going to fight. We are going to fight our, for our... So when he been resurrected, now they brought the question that at what point are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they know that the, the Messiah, this part of his job, you know, but they have missed the part, the, fact, the part that talks about his sufferings because they gloss over it. So Jesus said the Messiah had to suffer and to go through all this and on the third day rise again. Then repentance and remission will be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That is for the producing of the church. Say for the producing of the church. Uh, now, let, let me cut to the chase and tell you something and move on from there. God's eternal plan is to work himself, to put himself into his chosen people through Christ for the producing of the church to accomplish his purpose and express him on this earth. I'll say that again. God's eternal plan mm -hmm. is to work himself into, uh, in Christ, into his chosen people, not everybody. So when you're a Christian, what it means to be a Christian is that God has worked himself, God is in you. That is the beginning of the economy of God. The plan is, can you imagine human beings containing God? Human beings walking around, they contain God. They contain God. They contain God. And it's not only one person. It's not only a group of people. It's different, different people across the generations. They contain God. And they become one body. They become one body. They become the church. Yeah. Okay. For the expression of God's 
plan for the expression of God. So we become the expression of God and fulfilling of his agenda. So God's eternal plan is to work himself through Christ into his chosen people. Into his chosen people for the building and the producing of the church, which is his body, which becomes an expression of God for his expression on this earth. Is it too much? Is it too much? So you see, if you understand it that way, I think you spend time trying to investigate and appreciate what the church really is. Instead of thinking in a very myopic way, the church is a group of people who have gathered somewhere and they're singing, singing and clapping or singing hymns and a priest is coming to preach. No, 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 please, that's, 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 you're getting it wrong. The church is the people of God. They contain God, the house of God, the body of Christ. What? So, you see, the church is actually a continuation of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are the living Christ. But now, Christ is in me. Christ is in you, Christ is in her, Christ is in him, Christ is in different people, and we all become one body. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That's why I like what the choir yeah. sang, the, the gospel, the, the simple gospel. Yes. Amen. It does not change. All right, now let's go back to the text, and then I can work something through, and then we can. And is somebody learning something? Yeah. Oh, I have a, a short time to go. Now watch this. So, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to the saints. See, it was hid, but now it's made manifest. The mystery. That is what he said. Watch this. Look at verse 25 again. I just want you to follow this very carefully. Um, wherefore we made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God and then it says that what's the word of God I'm talking about even the mystery which has been hid so this whole thing that Paul is beginning to bring to light to the church called the gospel is a mystery that has been hid it's been hid from the ages and generation but now it's made money so what was hid is now being revealed that's where you should, you should look at it from. Now, this thing that has been hid, which is a mystery, let's look at it. What is the mystery? Now, watch this. Look at the next verse. To whom, <coughs> to whom, this are, the to whom is referring to the saints, because we read it the other time. When you read it from different translations, it tells you God is very happy to reveal it to the saints, his special people, all right? So, to whom God would make known, I think let's read, um, which version now? All right, let's go to the New American Standard Version. It might be. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. God willed to who? To the church. Why are you saying the church? Because when you look at the previous verse, um, I think let's try the NIV. It might be a little bit straightforward from verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but now now disclose to, did you see that? To the lost people. Watch this, go to the next verse. Yeah. To them, who are they them? The lost people. God has chosen to make known 
among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. So God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery. So then those of us in church, those of us who are in church and who are in Christ, who are the people of God, God has chosen to now begin to make known this mystery that has been hidden in ages is exclusive privilege of the church. If you are outside of the church, you can't know it. You can't know it if you are outside the church. Because the one who is choosing to make known to us is God. You can manage to mix the church to hear what they are hearing, but you will still not get it. Because it, Bible says that if our gospel is hid, <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3, the gospel is hid to those who are lost. So even if you come and sit here and you hear what we are hearing, it's still hid. Yes. It's hidden to you. Why? Because your classification is you are lost. What does it mean to, to be lost? You don't have Christ. Wow. Yes. wow. You don't have Christ. So if I try to teach you, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you, you won't get it. You won't get it. You won't get it. If I start to speak a certain language to you, which you don't understand, it doesn't matter how much deep things I'm telling you. You will never get it. You will never. Others around you might be getting it. But you won't get it. Why? Because it's not your language of comprehension. You, you won't get it. Those who are lost, doesn't matter how we try to preach this church thing, and this, they won't get it. They can't get it. But look, watch this. On a more serious note, I'm about to say something more serious. The minister of the gospel is the only one authorized by God to make known the mystery to the people of God. So then why, why would a minister of the gospel leave that which the people of God needs most? Yeah. And to begin to talk about other things that other people can talk about. Why do I become a master of what others can speak about? And I marginalize what I have been exclusively set apart for. He says, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul, Romans 1, 1, Paul, an apostle. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle. Separated unto this gospel that no one can preach. Wow. Wow, strong. So he's talking about, I've been made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which was given to me for you. To complete the word of God. You are in church, but the word of God is not completed to you. Watch this. To complete the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. To whom God, New King James, to them God willed to make known what are the riches. Listen, they are riches. This, this mystery is rich in glory. Ah, this mystery is rich. And it says that God wants to let you know what are the riches of the glories of this mystery. And you will think that it's going to talk about financial breakthrough. 
You think it's going to talk about marital breakthrough. You think it's going to talk about good health. You think it's going to talk about national influence. You think it's going to talk about large online following. He didn't talk about any of these things. He said, that is not the riches of the gospel. The riches of the gospel is not even a big church. The riches of the gospel is not a big house. The riches of the gospel, he says to, he said, the riches of the glory, God wants to let you know the riches of the glories of this ministry. And he said, which is Christ. Christ! What is the riches of the glory of this mystery? Christ in you. Oh, if I were you, I would shout a big hallelujah. That is why you are in church. Christ in you. But but how can Christ be in in somebody? That's the mystery. Christ in me. you, you You can't leave him in the gospels. He can't be in me if you only leave him in the gospel. Get him through the gospel, through the cross. Because if he doesn't go through the cross, he can also come into me. He had to go through the cross to pay for my sins. He had to go through the cross to bring me to God. He had to go through the cross to redeem me. He had to go through the cross to justify me. He had to go through the cross and resurrect. And after resurrecting, now he's a life-giving spirit. He can come into me. He can come into you. He can come into her. He can come into him. Shout hallelujah. Yeah. So he had to suffer and all this in, the, in his human living so that he can be in us. And he said, that Christ in us. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, talks about Christ in us. Examine yourself. If Christ is in you, Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it talks about Christ in us. So it's in the scripture, Christ can be in you. We are in Christ, but Christ is also in us. If any man be, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, but the good news is that we are not just in Christ, the, the secret is Christ is in us. Christ is in us. Colossians says that the riches of the glory of this mystery is Christ in you. Christ in you. Say Christ in me. Christ in me. So we saw in 2 Corinthians that Christ can be in us. In Romans chapter 8 verse 10, Christ can be in us. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Say Christ in me. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, it says that I travel in birth unto Christ before. <laughs> Hallelujah. Christ in me. Christ in me. That is, that is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Oh, so this mystery is all about Christ in people. This mystery, this mystery is all about, and that is where, when Christ is in you, that is where the expression of anything God can do in your life starts from. So, man of God, a minister should preach the gospel. Now watch this. I need to. I really need to run up. Now look at the next verse. So he talks about how, yeah, to read that uh, uh, the, of among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say Christ, my hope. First Timothy chapter one verse one, the end of it. It's so nice a text. First Timothy one one talks about Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandments of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Not your potential husband. Not your potential wife. Not your potential breakthrough. 
some of us are here uh, listening and you are so desperate for a man that you are happy to sacrifice Christ so you can have a man. Say Christ in me. The hope of glory. It's interesting. The riches of the glorious of this mystery among the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope. I don't know what you're hoping for. If it's meant to be glorious, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope. Now, let me finish this. Look at verse 28. Ah, it's now getting a bit more intense for me, please. Verse 28 is much more intense. I know you haven't noticed it, but it's very intense. Pastor, just tell me and stop telling me what it is. Verse 28 says, him we preach. Let's all say that together. Say it again. For the last time. That's true preaching. How do you preach him? Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that will present every man. Ah, every man, every man. So warning every man, teaching every man so as to present every man. So this every man people you are talking to is to present the same every man. But the only way you can present every man, this every man person you are preaching to, you are warning, the only way you can present them perfect is by preaching Christ. Him we preach. Now, that's why I said it's a bit tense. There are a lot of preaching. That's not Christ. It is so strong, I don't think the short time I've left can help me to encapsulate it. It is so strong. It's not that people are bad. I can be preaching all this thing I'm preaching. I'll show you something. I can be doing all this thing I'm doing. Preaching and sweating, but it's not Christ I'm preaching. I can preach about Christ. I can actually speak for Christ, but I am not preaching Christ. I'll explain it. The teaching is like this. What's this? A phone. What do you need this phone for? For communication. If this phone cannot do communication, it's useless. The main purpose of your plate is to put food on it. I can come to church and present plates preaching. Where is the food, pastor? Every healthy preaching, every wholesome preaching is meant to watch this, is meant to reveal Christ. Or reveal is even quite far, is meant to impact Christ. You are preaching, listen, where you preach to anywhere, someone on the street, if you are not careful, you will preach forgiveness and not preach Christ. You can preach redemption, you can preach deliverance, you can preach breakthrough and having not preached Christ. We, are, we, we, we can meet people and be preaching to them. We are preaching everything we know. We are preaching doctrine. We are preaching theology. It's not bad in itself. But the problem is we are not preaching Christ. Paul said, him we preach. In our teaching, in our warning, it's Christ we are preaching. So if I teach you, if I warn you, and I fail to preach Christ through my teachings and my warning, I've actually let you down. Mm. Mm. 
Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. It's a very interesting text. Let's read it out from the screen. One more time. Louder. For the last time. Many people can preach about Christ. We sometimes preach for Christ. But after all that thing we are doing, we are preaching ourselves. We are, showing, we are showing forth ourselves. Jesus puts it this way. In John chapter 7, verse 18, he said, anyone who speaks himself speaks for his own glory. It's in your Bible. He said, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. So I can be here speaking from myself. That's why every preacher's prayer must be God. As I preach, give me the grace to be one with you. That my preaching will be your preaching. My speaking will be your speaking. Yeah. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he who is joined with the Lord is one spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22, he says, The Lord be with your spirit. Ah! The Lord Christ Jesus be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 18. Grace be with your spirit. So then if I'm, see, the Christ is actually with me in my spirit. One of the things I found out is Paul in Galatians chapter 1 verse 3, he said, grace to you, grace to you. Most of the greetings, he said, grace to you, grace to you. But when he finished Galatians, he didn't say grace to you. He said, grace be with you. I came with grace to come with you. By the time I finish, grace must have been with you. Christ as grace. That is the essence of the true gospel. The true gospel is not communicating doctrine per se. It's not just communicating ideas. It's not just communicating theology. The true gospel is actually preaching Christ. How do you preach Christ? How do you preach Christ? You, you know I spoke a little bit, of, I attempted to speak French. Mm. A while ago. Aujourd'hui et samedi. I can speak Lingala too. Hey. Yes. Mabonko po na Yesu. Yes. I'm saying a phrase in Lingala. I say, I'm saying, it's in my mind, I'm speaking it. Yeah. Watch this. The extent to which I can take him is the extent to which I understand the language. The extent to which I can take you in Christ is the extent to which I've gone in Christ. So, so that means people are genuinely preaching, but because they have not had, they have not enjoyed Christ or experienced Christ, your enjoyment of Christ, the dimension to which you have enjoyed Christ, you have experienced Christ, is the dimension to which you can take people. That's the dimension you can take. So now, what does it mean? What does it mean? I am preaching. Watch this. I am actually preaching. People are hearing different things. Some are saying, this guy is very funny. Some are saying, watch this. Some are saying, wow, this guy can say Greek words. Some are saying, this guy can quote a lot of scriptures. See, all those things can be me preaching myself, speaking for myself, even though I might be preaching and saying pure gospel, pure gospel, pure gospel. I can say all those things, but I'm actually not, Christ is not being 
expressed into people. What happens is that when Christ is being expressed, it's not so much about the language, but your spirit receives an impact. Something happens to your spirit with regards to Christ. Something, something. Sometimes you can't even articulate it. But as the pastor is preaching, he said, did our hearts not burn whilst he spoke to us? As we, as, as, so that is my job is to go deeper in Christ. Not just because I'm studying, but my work with Christ. I'm becoming so one with Christ. And you can keep going deeper. And the more I become one, that is why people like uh, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, and uh, Charles Wesley, some of these great men of old, when they spoke, yeah. we can repeat what they said, yeah. but we can't make the impact the they made. Wow. Yes, the same effect. The effect is not the same. I can go and listen to a, a, an anointed man's message and repeat it and even say it better than him, like singers. Yeah. You can listen to somebody's music and repeat it and sing it better, but the impact will not be the same. Wow. It's not guaranteed. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because when it comes to true ministry, is Christ impacting? Oh, yeah. Definition of true ministry is impacting of Christ. Impacting so that as I am speaking, Christ is being expressed. Christ, that is, that is the true gospel. And when Christ is being expressed, he can only be expressed within the confines of a certain type of message. Two things that help for Christ to be expressed. The message you are preaching, he said, we preach Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse, 20, uh, verse 22 is even nice. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Guys, can I take you a little further and as I end? Are you ready for this? This is very interesting. This is very interesting. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. It says that for Jews request a sign, mm -hmm. Greeks seek after wisdom. Yeah. So now, if you are a Jew and I'm coming to you, he has already told us what a Jew wants. Yeah. I have to be seeker sensitive then. Because this is what you want. I have to come to you with what you want. And maybe I can package what I want to tell you within what you want. Yeah. But so it says that for the Jews request a sign. The Greeks after, seek after wisdom. There's a big but. Look at the next verse. Unfortunately, we preach Christ. This Christ we preach, we preach him crucified to the Jews. They were okay until they heard you preach. Now you made them stumble. What you are preaching is offensive. Say to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, who's <laughs> a stupid man? Look at what you're talking about. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. First Peter chapter 2, verse 8. Romans chapter 9, verse 32 and 33. Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Look at Isaiah. Can I show you this and as I try and close? He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of the... This is talking about God, will be an offense. You, the message is offense, is stumbling block for people. Well, I like the first Peter bit. First Peter bit, very when I saw it, I said, oh, whoa. It says the first Peter, it said, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. This is Jesus. Okay, but what shows that is Jesus? Look at the verse before. Therefore, 
to you who believe, he is precious, talking about Jesus. He is, give us, okay, okay, that's why the he is capital. He is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Is that not what Peter quoted? Yeah. In Acts chapter four, verse 10 downwards. He quoted to the elders. So, so this is talking about Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected, look at the next verse. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. It's a stone of stumbling. It's a stone of stumbling. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it talks about if this thing, make your diligence to make your, your ministry and election sure. And if you do these things, you will never. <laughs> you will ne now, in Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, you don't want to hear this. Simeon came to the temple and took the little boy Jesus. And when he took him, this, this is Simeon, he's a prophet. And he said to Mary the mother, behold, this child is destined for the fallen, right? Wow. Oh no. Mm. This child, because of the message, the message is destined for the fall and rising of many. This doesn't fall on good ears. How can you, a pastor, a pastor is never meant to be offensive. You are not supposed to be. You are not supposed to be arrogant. You are not supposed to talk at people. You are supposed to just preach Christ. It saves and it offends. <laughs> when Stephen finished preaching, can you imagine? Elders of the Israel, they gnashed their teeth and they took a stone and killed him on the spot. Wow. Yeah. Acts chapter 7 from verse 51, 52. I would say, they gnashed their teeth. The preaching, gnashing of teeth is an extreme expression of hunger. Preaching, he was just preaching. He was just preaching. He was just preaching. But that preaching stayed with somebody stayed with a gentleman who after he met Jesus, he made reference to when your servant Stephen, Matthew was being killed, I was there. I was, Acts chapter 17, he said, I was there consenting. I was holding the garment of those who killed him. So when Jesus met him, he brought that message up. He said, me, that had a, a profound impact on me. And today, he was used to complete the word of God. He was used to complete the word of God. Him we preach. Him we preach. It's supposed to be a true gospel, a sound gospel, a gospel that displays Christ, not exhibits the preacher. Okay. Nowadays we preachers. That's why we are, our addressing is so high. We put so much on ourselves. God should save us, you know. God will help us. We put so much on Pastor, I think some of us need to tone down a little bit. Wow. We are preaching. <laughs> I think we should. The Jeffrey Brothers, I think it's the Jeffrey Brothers, revivalists, great revivalists. I think the Jeffrey Brothers. It got to a time they put black bean back on their head because they don't want people to see them. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. Just hear my preaching. Just hear my preaching. It's not about me. It's not about me. I'm not saying a preacher is not supposed to look. Okay, but sometimes we speak for our own glory from ourselves, wow. seeking our own glory. We want acceptance. We want large following. 
We want people to believe us. Yeah. It's, it's more about us. Yeah. It can be easily, anybody. Yeah. For all you may know, if I haven't spent intense time enjoying Christ, mm. watch this, mm. I didn't say studying. Mm. Studying is important, mm. but it, you can't preach Christ if you have not experienced and enjoyed him. Yeah. Wow. When you enjoy Christ, when you are preaching, the, it's the, it's the, the thing is, is, something has consumed you. You are pouring from your depths, and your depths is he that is joined with Christ, is one spirit. Then you can say, I'm preaching the gospel. Paul puts it this way, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. It says that, warn them, they shouldn't be listening to some people. Not to give heed to fables and endless genealogies, all kinds of things. This led to this and this happened to this. It's, it's rather, it's that these kind of things which it causes disputes rather than godly edification in faith. Now, this is why I like New American Standard Version or English Standard Version. You see, King James does administration, yes. You see, rather than feathering the, this is economia, economy of God. Our preaching is meant to push the economy of God. is to push that. By the time you finish listening to an anointed preacher, that's what, an anointed preacher is not the one who makes you have good bomb. An anointed preacher is the one who, when he finishes preaching, you feel Christ, Christ, Christ. Christ has imparted, there's Christ, Christ has been imparted into you. Hmm. It says that rather than the administration of God, which is by faith. Then it goes on in the verse 9, talking about, for the law is meant for the should we read it? I don't think you want to know what is there. For the law, realizing the fact that the law is made for the unrighteous person, for those who are lawless, religious, for the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy and profane, for those who kill their, f- hey, this one is there. Who kill their fathers and mothers, for, for, for murderers, let's go on, let's go on, for, for fornicators, oh, oh, someone say, oh, oh. oh. For, for, for sodomites, oh. who are sodomites? Go and look for it. For kidnappers, for liars. So this one, everyone is included. Don't separate yourself, say, as for me, I'm a liar, so why are they preaching against me? No, it's not only you, it's said other people too. So for liars, for perjurers, wow. and watch this, this is why I, why I brought you here. And if there's any other thing that is contrary to the law begins to catch it. We are not basing on our lives on the law. The law is for these things. Anything that is contrary to sound, sound there is healthy, wholesome doctrine, wholesome teaching, wholesome words. Words that look that is that just for you to know what I'm saying. Look at the next verse, verse 11. Wholesome sound doctrine according to the The word is according to the <laughs> Watch this. It's in line with the glorious, Bible calls it the glorious gospel. Did you remember if our gospel is hit, it's hit to those who are. It's about the gospel. We are preaching the gospel in church. Preach the gospel. He says that if our gospel is hit, it's those who are lost. And he says that every teaching that brings um, a questioning about, and so this word, and this happened, he says that it's not necessary. Stay away from it and give yourself to what brings the administration of God to bear. That helps you to integrate yourself to the purpose of God, to the stewardship of God, to the plan of God, to the program of God. He said that is what should be done. And he says this thing is in accordance with the glorious, glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. A lot of preaching. A lot of preaching. 
Now, pastor, all you said, I didn't understand anything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What I'm trying to say is that God wants to impart his life into you. And not only at salvation, when you become saved, throughout your Christian life, more of Christ, more of Christ. He said, him we preach, presenting every man. You see that? Perfect in Christ. The word perfect there is, the Greek word is teleos. Teleos, teleos means complete, fully matured. So we are preaching Christ so we can present people fully matured in Christ. That's the objective of preaching. To present you, not to make you wealthy. Not to make you a married woman. It's not bad in itself. Not to make you a married man. Not to make you a successful businessman. Not to all this excessive focus on bring money and do this and do that and and excessive focus on uh, uh, money is coming, money is coming, money is coming. But Christ has not come yet. Money is coming, money is coming. People have flooded churches just to have fun. To have fun, not to have Christ. Or not to be found in Christ, but to have fun. He said, the objective of our preaching, him we preach, warning and teaching every man. The objective is to present you matured in Christ, growing in Christ, perfect in Christ, complete in Christ. Teleos is a Greek word. That's why we preach. This preaching is not to make you clap. Watch this. This preaching, this preaching is to present you perfect in Christ. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.